Well, it's awesome to be together with you here this morning where we are continuing our study in the book of Ephesians. And so I'd invite you to uh, turn in a Bible or a Bible app to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we'll be hanging out there as well as a little bit of chapter 5. Uh, that even, I guess as I say, turn to the book of Ephesians. It's important to note that uh, Ephesians is actually not really a book per se at all. It's actually uh, originally a letter that was written to a church, a church at Ephesus, the Ephesian church by uh, the Apostle Paul as to, you could say, what it meant to be uh, really the foundations, the kind of, if you had to boil it down, what it means to follow Jesus. It's in this book. Uh, in fact, the letter or the book, however you want to refer to it, uh, was designed to not just go just only to Ephesus, but it's one of these letters that were meant to be, they said, circulated among other churches as well because of its nature of being able, again, to be this kind of spot where everything kind of funnels into that if you had to boil down, what does it mean? to really put your life on the foundations of what it looks like to follow Jesus. We can find it here. And so as we've been working our way through the book of Ephesians over the last number of weeks, we've been doing it uh, in a way that in preacher talk uh, is called expository preaching. Uh, that uh, expository preaching, unlike you could say maybe topical preaching where you, you find maybe a topic that we need to address and see what the scriptures say, you actually start with uh, the scriptures. Uh, I mean, everything starts with the scriptures, but we start with like a book of the Bible and we kind of work our way through that book, through those passages, one passage at a time. Uh, and rather than pre-deciding the topics, we kind of bump into the topics, if you will, as the passages unfold. So that's how we've been uh, approaching the book of Ephesians. And so what we've covered in the first number of weeks in chapters one through three is, if you had to just put it into one word, that chapters one, two, and three of the book of Ephesians out of the six chapters, that those three chapters are all about grace. It's all about defining the grace that we receive, the gift of forgiveness and a new life made possible by Jesus, God's one and only son, his sacrifice, and his rising to new life that we too are given a new life in him. And then from there, I would say it's our response, it says, to uh, choose yes to that calling that he has placed in our lives. Uh, and so if you are here and you haven't said yes to Jesus, uh, well, then I'm super excited that you're here because today you're going to hear uh, exactly what that means to say yes to Jesus in your life and, frankly, into all of eternity. And then so from there, last week, we turn the page on the first three chapters of Ephesians into the last three chapters of Ephesians, chapter four, five, and six, where Pastor Jonathan, um, he pointed out this very important word uh, in last week's sermon that is kind of like this hinge word between chapters one through three and chapters four, five, and six, uh, the little word then or therefore. And, and as cheesy as it was for Pastor Jonathan to call it this, it's certainly true that Excuse me, that when we see the word therefore, uh, you have to ask the question, what is it there for? And the reason it is there is for us to understand those first three chapters, that it is the grace of God that therefore shows us chapters four, five, and six that we're going to look at over the next number of weeks of what it looks like to live that way, to live as a result of the grace that we have received and said yes to in Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. So with that, uh, we're going to look at, you could say, uh, how we live, or it actually says in our passage today, like, how it is that we walk uh, in his ways. In fact, if you've ever heard anyone refer to their Christian faith as, as their walk, uh, it comes from this passage here today, what it looks like to walk in the ways of Jesus. And what we're going to discover is uh, some very 
specific ways uh, in which you could say we're supposed to walk, or you might say things that as we walk that we uh, don't do as followers of Jesus, and, and things that we do as well. And we're going to see almost like this list of do's and don'ts. And, and I just got to be honest, when I come across these passages of, you could say, a list of do's and don'ts, I step into those with some caution. Uh, and the reason for that is because you could say there's like kind of two temptations uh, that we can face when it comes to scriptures, uh, do's and don'ts, if you will. Uh, and at the one end is the temptation to fall into what we might call like legalism. Legalism, this idea that as we read these do's and don'ts that this is somehow the bottom line of what Christianity is all about. That you could read these in isolation and say, okay, I guess the Christian faith is all about making sure I, I, I don't do this and I don't do that and I do this and I do that. Uh, I, I love the way that Pastor J.D. Greer refers to these kinds of sermons. And maybe you grew up, depending on your tradition, with uh, those kinds of messages where you got it's all about doing this and doing that. Uh, he calls those uh, doo-doo sermons because they stink, he says. And honestly, the reason that they stink is because of what they risk. They risk isolating this way of life from the grace and the power of Jesus Christ that fuels all of that. Uh, these messages of just do this and do that, avoid from uh, the grace and the power of Jesus, can risk having Christianity, you could say, defined as activity rather than our identity as adopted and included children of God only by the grace and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe we could illustrate it this way, that when we focus on the do's and the don'ts and let that define Christianity, uh, there's that old saying, don't let the cart get before the horse. And so you could say that when we live our lives in such a way that this is leading the way, that it's all about the do's and the don'ts and the activity, that we get the cart, you could say, before the horse, that we think by the way in which we live, we can somehow earn the favor, uh, the, the grace, which then wouldn't be grace at all, we can earn the favor of God by what we do. And that is getting, you could say, the cart before the horse. It actually says it this way in the book of Ephesians. It warns about this, saying in chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for it is by grace. It is by grace that you have been saved. So we get things in the proper order. It is by grace that you have been saved, and this is through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is not about what you can do. It's not about the cart, but it is a a gift. It is a grace of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so simply put, it is your identity, not your activity, that determines your Christianity. It is your identity and the received grace and gift of Jesus Christ as a son and daughter of his, receiving that, that out of the overflow of that, getting the horse in front of the cart, that we then are pulled along, that we are guided, that we become devoted followers of Jesus by the activity, the do's and the don'ts that come out of that. And so, as we say this, um, as we understand that this is how things work, uh, you could even say, like, if, if this sermon were to come to a conclusion right now, 
Well, A, you would get to lunch a whole lot faster. Uh, but B, uh, while everything we just said is absolutely true, it would also risk being grossly incomplete. And here's why. Because if at the one end we have, you could say, legalism as a temptation, the do's and the don'ts as what's driving our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, that at the other extreme, you might say we have the temptation to slip into what we might call easy believism. Easy believism, which says maybe the temptation that, hey, what you think, what you believe, and what you even live, in some ways, because of grace, it almost seems like it doesn't even matter. Like, my activities, the do's, the don'ts, you know, I mean, Jesus is going to forgive me anyway, right? And so I, I, you know, I prayed the prayer. I got dunked in some water. I've got my ticket to heaven. So I guess it doesn't really matter in the end, because he's going to forgive me anyway, that it doesn't matter how I live. Well, the Apostle Paul actually takes on this temptation uh, in another letter to the church at Rome, saying it this way, kind of asking the same question, saying, what shall we say then? Shall we actually go on sinning that grace might increase? And so Paul, he actually goes further than to say it just doesn't matter. He actually says, hey, maybe we should double down on sin. That like, like a coupon, like the more you have, the more you save. Like the more I sin, the more grace I get. Well, he answers that rhetorical question saying, by no means. No way, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. And so how can we just like live in it any longer? Or don't you know? He says, don't you remember the horsepower of grace that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, dying to sin, and that we therefore buried with him in baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In other words, to act as if our activity does not matter at all is not to get the cart before the horse. It's actually to eliminate the cart altogether, essentially leaving you nowhere to sit, nowhere to rest, nowhere to go with your Christian faith. And you might be saying, well, I mean, I could sit on the horse. You know, I mean, like I have friends here who ride horses. You know, that's great. Um, but not in my illustration, okay? So just for the record. Uh, so yes, we want to make sure that we have both the cart and the horse, and, or excuse me, the cart and the horse, and we have them in the right order. Um, in fact, that's why Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 that we looked at a little earlier has a, a verse 10 that comes after it. And so verse 8 and 9, again, it's all about the horse. Yes, it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And again, this is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God. Not by works, so no one can boast, but so that, verse 10, the cart can naturally be pulled behind the horse, that we are reminded that we are God's handiwork, and that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has actually prepared in advance for us to do. And so if you have, again, these temptations, on one end we have Legalism, but on the other hand, uh, the equally dangerous, easy believism, that the key to finding our way is not actually to somehow split the difference or find compromise in the middle. It's actually an entirely different third way. 
uh, an entirely different third way that can only be defined as the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which summing up our horse and cart in the right order illustration, you could simply call it this, that the gospel is uh, the reality that in response to the work of Jesus, we then walk in the ways of Jesus. That it's in response to or an overflow of the work, the grace, the identity that we have in Christ Jesus that we then walk, live, do this, don't do that by the power of his work within our lives. It's to get the horse and the cart in the proper order. That's what Christianity is all about. This is a foundation for what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul, he goes into uh, explain specifically what this kind of life powered by God's grace looks like, picking it up in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, he, he starts off by actually, if you want to follow along, saying what it looks like to not live in this way, saying in verse 17, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. And so a Gentile is just those uh, who do not know God. And because they do not know God, they don't know his grace and his ways, they don't know the horse or the cart or any of this, uh, he says in verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have just given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. And so the Apostle Paul says, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, not Gentiles, we uh, are to live not like those who live as if there is no Lord, there is no horse, there is no cart, uh, but instead, to those of us who would say, yeah, this is leading my life. The grace of Jesus Christ is powering my life. To those of us who would claim that, Paul goes on in verse 20, he says, that, however, again, pointing to the Gentiles, that's not the way that you learned when you heard about Christ and when you were taught in accordance with the truth. When you're taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then coming out of this understanding, this framework, we see another therefore. And what is it therefore? It's therefore to give us very specifically what this kind of life lived looks like. And so there's a lot of examples. We'll look at a few of them. Uh, verse 25, again, therefore, uh, it says, each of you must put off falsehood and put on and, and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Uh, summed up in two words, stop lying is basically what that verse says, to, to stop lying, uh, where you could see, I guess you could say that lying, what it is, or falsehood, it's about, at its core, protecting someone else's perception of us that we feel attached to. 
I mean, when you think about it, think about like why it is that we lie. Like even like the littlest white lies, like when you lie to your spouse saying you're on your way home, but you're really just kind of packing up, getting ready to go home. Or kids, like if you lie to your parents, uh, or maybe as you uh, maybe embellish a story, just uh, stretch the truth a little bit to make yourself look or sound or seem just a little bit better in the eyes of another. What's interesting is that lying actually isn't the problem. That the problem is, is that when we lie, we are living as if Jesus is not the Lord of our lives. And we're living as if that person's opinion and perspective is what is actually pooling our life. Uh, That's what's functionally leading your life in that moment you're feeling about their perception of you. That's driving you rather than being defined by the identity that comes in Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter one, says, well, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? I mean, or am I still trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be, my identity would not be a servant of Christ. And so Paul reminds us it's, it's by the horsepower of the Holy Spirit, again, not our own strength, that drives our ability to find truthfulness and put off falsehood. And what we're going to find with every one of these specific areas in our life, they're all going to fall under the umbrella of verse 22. The umbrella of, in everything we're doing, we're putting off the old self as we're putting on the new. We see this continue to play out. And the next area that Paul points out, verse 26 Uh, says that in your anger. Uh, Now, anger, it is uh, a feeling we all experience, and so feeling anger is not a sin, but he cautions that in your emotion of anger, do not sin. Verse 31, a few verses later, Paul expands on the kind of sin that can result from unchecked anger. Uh, Verse 31, things like bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander um, and and every form of malice. He says we need to get rid. We need to get rid of all of that. And so how do we rid ourselves of this? Well, zoom back up to verse 26 as it continues. Uh, It says that in our anger, do not sin. Uh, It says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, we actually had an entire message simply entitled Anger uh, towards the beginning of the year in a sermon series entitled The Best Sermon Ever Based on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in it, uh, we also looked at this passage as well. We talked about this verse of what it means to not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And uh, what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you have to have like, like all of your life's issues resolved before you go to bed. Uh, or maybe you've heard it said, like, don't go to bed mad. Okay, well, I don't know about you, but for some of us, that would mean a commitment to stay up all night, right? Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't always help. So what, what this expression, do not let the sun go down while you're angry, uh, actually means, it, it's, it's this expression that means, essentially, keep short accounts. Keep short accounts, or in the words of Jesus from his Sermon on the Mount, settle matters quickly. And so how do we do that? Well, back in Ephesians, verse 31 and 32, it says uh, to do this. It says to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Uh, Essentially, uh, he's saying you just can't stop being angry and bitter and unforgiving. You actually have to replace that 
bitterness and rage and malice from verse 31 to replace it with verse 32 with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. And again, that's easier said than done unless we understand that it can only, in many cases, only be made possible by the power of Jesus because it's the kind of thing that only God can do and we know we can't do it ourselves. Um, it's only by the power of the reality as Jesus says that we forgive the cart because, what's it say, the horse? It's out of the power that, well, God first forgave us just as in Christ God forgave you. And the reason this is so important, and you know this, that if we don't nip this, if we don't take this seriously, unresolved anger, uh, it says in verse 27 that we give the devil a foothold. We, we give the devil, like you could say, a foot in the door, like just, a, just enough of a crack that just a little bit of unresolved anger can kind of kick open all kinds of bitterness, unforgiveness, and allow the evil one to come in and do exactly what he came to do. As it says in John 10, 10, that the, that the evil one that he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And we know this. We know when anger and bitterness and that escalates and unforgiveness that that foot in the door, like it, Satan comes and he steals and he kills and he destroys. He wreaks havoc on our minds, on our hearts. And then he just gets started from there. He starts to wreak havoc on our relationships, our marriages, our parenting, our kids, our, our, our relationships with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, uh, even here within the church. And, and so it's by the power of the forgiveness and the experience that we have in Jesus kind of overflowing and pulling us along based on his forgiveness can we only then forgive as well and do as Jesus says, to keep short accounts and to settle matters quickly by the power of God, not our own. Verse 28 um, goes on, says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Or as it says in verse three and verse five, uh, to avoid greed uh, of chapter five. And so stealing or greed, it's, it's ultimately an identity thing. It's essentially saying that when you steal, you're basically saying, okay, God, in this situation or circumstance, um, like you got it wrong. Like you gave that or this to that person or that corporation rather than to me. And so since you got it wrong, God, I'm gonna take literally matters into my own hands. I'm gonna use my hands to steal and take back what it is that you got wrong and not giving it to me in the first place. And so just like some of these other areas, it's really not the area. It's not really not about stealing. It's really, it's an identity thing. It's a trust thing about who God is and what he's up to in your life. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with this temptation uh, to be greedy or to steal? Well, verse 28 says, that we need to replace our, our understanding. We need to, verse 28, that anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share rather than steal, something to share with those in need. Uh, a number of years ago, um, we actually did a, an entire sermon series on this particular passage in Ephesians. And as part of that sermon series, uh, the little like video 
that comes up right before we actually preach. Uh, our own Morgan Arsenault actually uh, illustrated, uh, as the text was being read, what it is was happening in pictures. And I got to tell you, like, it's been many years since we've done that, done that, but when I saw what she illustrated relative to this verse, it was a, a, a picture that, that has never left me when it comes to the power of what God is up to when it comes to taking the old and putting on the new. And so with this particular verse, uh, she illustrated, and it kind of was like being illustrated in real time as you were working your way through the passage. So it started with uh, you know, this burglar uh, greedily holding on to his little bag of money that he has stolen from the bank. And uh, as Ephesians says that you need to put off using your hands to steal and put on using your hands for good. The, the next illustration is the burglar, uh, you know, kind of watering this potted plant, which I love this, by the way, P.S. illustration, because what it shows is that uh, the whole idea of putting off the old self and putting on the new, like, like it doesn't happen in an instant, right? Like it's through the gospel being planted and watered that we, uh, we develop and we grow. In fact, that's why our mission statement as a church is not, hey, show up today and walk out a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, like, like it's not, it's, our mission is to become, to develop as we grow and we serve together into more and more devoted followers of Jesus so that we might experience what the scriptures say, the fruit of the power of God's grace in our lives or in the case of Morgan's illustration, uh, the flowers that are using the hands to do and serve good in the lives of others generously. You know, it's these kinds of things that, um, I say this all the time too, that I love when the, uh, like the sciences, whether physical science or the social sciences like sociology or psychology, when they discover something uh, that God's word has actually been saying for thousands of years. Uh, and one of the things that uh, psychology uh, has discovered when it comes to counseling others in regards to, you could say, breaking bad habits, uh, that they've discovered that there is a much higher rate of success that when it comes to defeating a destructive habit, so rather than just defeat it, that you actually replace it with something good. Uh, psychologists refer to this as the habit replacement loop. They rather just try to stop doing something destructive. They, we actually need to replace it with something good, uh, which is great. Uh, but what I love, again, about that is the reality that it's not new under the sun. It's something that God's word has been saying for centuries. And that's what we see in each one of these areas. It's, it's putting off the old by, at the same time, putting on the new. You, you just can't have one without the other. And so we see this continue to play out in some of these other areas. Just a few more we'll look at. Uh, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but instead replace that, replace unwholesome talk with only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so, again, some of you, if we just said, hey, stop talking, like, we just know that's not going to happen, right? So uh, you just have things to say. And so rather than saying things that are unwholesome, you need to replace that with things that are lifting others up that benefit, quote, those who listen. All right? And then getting into chapter 5, verse 2, we're reminded, it says to walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So we're living uh, the way of Jesus. And so walking in that way, it says to put off, verse 3, 
even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Again, this is a whole subject in and of itself that actually we took on in a sermon that you might want to check out uh, during the Best Sermon Ever, Sermon on the Mount series. And the series, the sermon was just entitled Lust and just tackles all these different things. Uh, Verse four, uh, Paul says to put off obscenity and foolish talk and coarse joking. Uh, Mama's translation would say, watch your mouth. Mama says, watch your mouth. Watch what's coming out of your mouth. Uh, But again, because they're out of place, but instead, but rather put on, replace that with, says Thanksgiving. Replace that with giving thanks. And what are we thankful for? What are we giving thanks for? Well, when we're doing this, we can give thanks for this, for the grace of Jesus Christ that forgives us when we blow it in these areas, as we continue to be pulled by his will and ways that the one who gave us life, trusting that he actually has the best way to live that life that he gave us in the first place. Okay, it's a horse before the cart kind of life. Uh, Jumping down to verse 18. Apostle Paul says we also need to put off drunkenness. He says, do not get drunk on wine, uh, or bartender's translation, do not get drunk on wine, Whiskey, bourbon, craft beer, or cheap beer, and the like, which leads to debauchery, uh, which is just a big word that's essentially destructive overindulgence. But instead, the Apostle Paul says, again, replace that by, you could say, by being filled or intoxicated with the Spirit of God, with the good things of God. Replace that. And some of you might need to hear this today. Some of you might need to hear that rather than relying on too much alcohol to try to make yourself interesting or entertaining to gain confidence, that you need to place your confidence uh, in Jesus Christ and the identity and the confidence that he has given you and who he's made you to be in whatever setting that you find yourself in. And so clearly as you, as you look at that passage, there are more that we could cover, uh, but I just wanna kind of Funnel all these do's and don'ts. Again, we've got cautions here with the legalism on the one side and the pretend it doesn't matter on the other. Uh, I want to funnel all of it to to one last verse that really sums up and gives closure and clarity to all of these do's and don'ts, the ones we didn't cover and could cover on another day, uh, with, um, you you could say, this reality of what... I guess you could say that I know what's going to happen for you. Like, I mean, this is great, right? We're sitting in, you know, relatively comfortable pews or chairs in the East Auditorium or at home or whatever, and it's, it's kind of easy here to talk about these things. Uh, but you're going to leave this place, and you're going to, you know, walk into Monday. You're going to walk into the office. Uh, you know, come Friday, you're going to be out with your friends, or, you know, maybe even yet tonight, you're going to, you know, turn on a show or a movie or something like that, and you're going to bump up against what you are encountering and what it is that you heard here in church. And it's gonna say, okay, well, just a second. Like, in this situation, you're gonna come to this question of like, wait a second, like, where's the line on all this? Like, like where, okay, you know, where's the line to quote our passage from today on even a hint of sexual immorality or impurity? Like, and where's the line on on greed, 
or, or coarse joking. Uh, and, and let's be honest, like where exactly is the line between like a couple of drinks that makes me a little tipsy versus technically drunk? Well, the Apostle Paul, he actually takes on these types of situations and the otherwise black and white into the spaces that we might call gray. And he simply boils it down to this. Verse 15, chapter 5. He says, hey, when it comes to all this stuff, where's the line? He says, just be very careful. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. Pastor Andy Stanley, he actually wrote an entire book just on that half of a verse uh, with the uh, simple question entitled, uh, the best question ever is the name of the book. With this question, is it wise? Because, verse 16, I mean, we want to make the most of every opportunity uh, because we recognize that the days, the world we live in, they are evil. And so we have to live not as unwise, but as wise. And so we have to be very careful, we have to be very intentional in order to pull that off. In what has become probably, definitely, my favorite devotional book of all time. Uh, it's a book by Pastor, the late Pastor Tim Keller uh, on this very topic uh, of wisdom. Uh, it's simply called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life, A Year of Daily Devotions in Proverbs. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller, he expands uh, on this idea, saying simply this, wisdom, is the ability to, he says, notice distinctions and shades of difference where others see only a blur. He says, wisdom, it's the ability to tell the difference, not just between right and wrong, but also among good, better, and best. And then from there, he just, as part of these daily devotions, he offers uh, a little prayer um, that I actually I would just like to conclude our conversation with praying over us. So let's pray together. Lord, our world seems divided between people who see everything in black and white and those who only see everything as gray. Lord, as your church, I pray that you would deliver us from both legalism and relativism because neither are wise. But instead, replace that. Lord, give us the humility and the discernment that can only come from your power, your grace, that is necessary for us to live and to move having wise hearts by the power of Jesus at work within our lives, in whose name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to invite you here in this room to, uh, to stand with me and in the East Auditorium as well, as well as those uh, worshiping online, whatever the appropriate posture is for you to respond, uh, not with my words, uh, but your own words. As we're going to sing this song that just says essentially that in order to put off the old self and put on the new, that that means less of us and more of you, God. And so we're going to all say that, declare that together. 
But let me just say again, as I kind of pointed to at the beginning, if you have not yet said yes to Jesus in your life, like you don't have to leave this place the same way that you walked in. And so here following the service, I'm gonna be right here up front. I would be honored to have that conversation of what uh, it looks like to say yes to Jesus, both the cart and the horse, his grace and the life that he has both for you in this life and for all of eternity. I'll meet you right up front after the service or in the East Auditorium. Uh, Andrea will be in there or online. You can talk to your host there. Uh, But let us be a part of that conversation because that's what we're here to be. That as a church, we wanna be a relationship with you with the solitary goal of building your ultimate relationship with the one who made you to have a relationship with him through the grace of Jesus Christ and to get to live that life, life and life to the full that he has given us. And so to that end, let's all sing, giving thanks for this reality that we become less and he become more uh, in response to what he is doing and will do in our lives. Let's sing together.